Hey Calvary family, welcome and happy Easter to everyone watching us. Whether you are watching us for the first time or you're watching us for the fifth time since this all started. Maybe you're watching us in the state of Tennessee or in the nation or somewhere around the world. I just want to say thank you for joining us today. It means so much that you would tune into what God is doing through this church and through this community. And I'm excited, man, to share God's word with you here on Resurrection Sunday. You know, I think maybe right now in your, in your bedroom or in your living room or in your car, wherever you're watching this, you should just go ahead and put your hands together and thank God that Jesus has risen from the dead. I'm serious. Put your hands together and thank God that Jesus is alive and well. Because if Jesus is alive, that means that anything is possible. That means that he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And nothing is above the name of Jesus. That means that this sickness has to bow to the name of Jesus. That means that Jesus has victory over this disease. That means that whatever you are going through, Jesus has already conquered it. And so what are you afraid of? Jesus has already defeated it. And so I want to thank God today that Jesus is alive because if he is alive, that means that anything is possible and nothing is too hard for God. I want to talk to you today about the resurrection life that Jesus has secured for you. I want to talk to you about how to enjoy that resurrection life. And I want to read from Romans chapter 8. Verses 15 through 17, and I'm going to read from the Message Bible because I just really like the way the Message Bible says it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the Bible says, This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. No, it's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is. And we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. I want to pray with you today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. And God, we're asking over these next few moments that you would change our lives through your word. We thank you that you are alive and well. And we thank you for what that means for us today. Help us to enjoy it, to embrace it to run into it come on the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run in and they are safe this is good news for us that you are alive in Jesus name we pray and everybody at home said amen amen did you see that in Romans 8 it tells us that we have a relationship with God it's like a father and his children it's like a father and his children in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 19, there's an incredible story of people bringing their children to Jesus. And the disciples are frustrated because they're, they're, they're getting around Jesus and they're bothering Jesus and they're interrupting Jesus' schedule. And this is pretty common throughout the New Testament that people who followed Jesus were always convinced they knew who should be around Jesus. You know, they told Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 to be quiet and stop bothering Jesus. They told the woman who was washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying them with her hair that she shouldn't be touching Jesus because of the type of woman she was. They were frustrated with Jesus in Mark chapter 2 that he was hanging out with sinners and he was having fellowship with them and meals with them. 
But Jesus loved little children. He loved the faith and the childlikeness of the faith of people, of grown people. And so he encourages us, hey, be like a child in your faith. And in Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 14, the Bible says they were bringing children to him that they should put his hands on them and pray for them. And the disciples rebuked them, but Jesus said, suffer little children, forbid them not to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. I believe that childlike faith is a faith that continues to live in an amazement of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a faith that continues to be in awe of, amazed by Jesus raising from the dead. I think my little son, Oliver, I think sometimes he thinks I can do anything. We've been walking before and I've looked over at something and I've asked him, hey bud, do you think I could pick that up? He said, yeah, oh yeah, you got that. We've been watching TV before and I'll look at someone on TV and I'll be like, hey, you think I could beat him up? And he's like, oh yeah, dad, you totally got this. I'll never forget when I was little and we were living in Connecticut and we were in church one time and a, a man came to me and, and, and he, was, he, was, he was upset with me over something I had done and my response to him was, hey, my dad could beat you up. I didn't take into consideration the fact that the man was 6'3 and he was strong and huge and my dad's only 5'11. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask my dad what he thought about it. I just assumed that my dad could beat anyone up. That's what childlike faith is. It's a, it's a confidence that your father can do anything. It's confidence that your dad can do anything. It's confidence that whatever your dad has belongs to you. My kids, they just assume they have access to me and everything that belongs to me. My kids will just run up and grab me. They don't ask me what time it is. They don't ask me if they can have an appointment. They don't ask me if they can. They just will interrupt me whenever they feel like it, put their hands on me, go get my stuff, jump in my bed, do whatever they want because they're my kids and they assume they have access to me. And nothing would hurt me more as a father than to think that my kids didn't believe they had access to me, didn't believe that they could come into my life at any moment they wanted to. I want my kids to always believe that they are precious to me and that they belong with me wherever and whenever. I want them to always feel that. I want to always feel that closeness. I will fight for that closeness. They just assume they have access to my refrigerator, my pantry, my bed, my things, me. And it doesn't matter, especially with Oliver, it doesn't matter how sticky his hands are, how dirty his hands are, what he's been playing in, how, how smelly he is. <laughs> he will just run up and grab me and he has grabbed me. I've had expensive clothing on before and he has come up and he has put his hands all over it and ruined it. You know what? I can replace clothes, but I cannot replace the closeness that we have as a father and a son. There's nothing like it. I can wash that shirt. I can throw the shirt away. I can get another shirt, but I can't get another Oliver. And I want him to always feel. I never want him to run up to me with his arms open and say, no, 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 no. I want him to always feel like he has access to me. Because here's the thing. Jesus did not die to make God love you. Jesus died because God loves you. And really and truly, if we were be, to be honest, we need God the most when we deserve Him the least. Do you hear that today? 
When you need God the most, the reality is, is you deserve him the least. But he is there for you anyway. So how do I maintain childlike faith that it lives in constant amazement of my father, his resurrection, his power and his ability? First of all, I have to live with the mindset that I have salvation. I'm not living for salvation. I'm living from salvation. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Just a couple of things I noticed from this one verse. First of all, it's this. He is able to save completely. Think about that. He saves and he saves completely. My salvation does not depend upon me and my ability to save myself. No, my salvation, it depends upon God's ability to save. And the Bible says that he saves completely. Listen, I'm not halfway saved. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're not halfway saved. You are completely saved. You are now the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. And he secures this, secondly, because he is always living to intercede for us. This whole thing doesn't depend on my ability to save myself. And this whole thing doesn't depend on my ability to pray. Listen, I love to pray. But my prayer life isn't always what it should be. Sometimes I'm hot. Sometimes I'm cold. Some, sometimes I'm neutral. Sometimes I'm on fire for God. Sometimes I'm not. And, and I am thankful today that even when I am not everything that I should be, that that is when he comes in and he is everything that he is. And he prays for me even when I don't know how to pray for myself. Even when I forget to pray. Even when I don't want to pray. He is always living to intercede for me. I'm so thankful for that. And because of that, I can approach God with confidence. I can approach him with confidence. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Think about that. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You know, in my house, in my dad's house, and in my father-in-law's house, we all have the same thing. We have a place that we like to sit. In the past, I've had a chair. Now we've got a big couch, and I have a spot on that couch. That is my spot. If you get in my spot, you're in trouble. <laughs> so when I come into the room, everybody knows you don't sit in my spot. You get out of the way so I can get to my spot. But something very interesting happens when I get into my spot. No longer is that just my spot. That becomes anybody's spot who wants to come and sit with me. And so Oliver will jump up into my lap. Aaliyah will come and she'll lay down on the couch right beside of me. Judah will come and he will sit down and lean his head on my shoulder. Chloe will come and she will lean over and hug me and sit down with me. My kids know that my spot isn't just my spot, but it's, it's their spot. Oh, when I come into the room, they have to move so that the owner can take his place. But when I take my place, they realize that that seat isn't just a seat for me. That seat is a seat for them. It's a place of fellowship. It's a seat of mercy. It's not a, it's not a seat of judgment. It's a seat of mercy where they can come and they can find relationship with me that they're looking for. And it's the same with God. He sits down so that we can sit with him. Oh, man. My father-in-law, when I go to his house in in, in the holiday seasons, I watch as 
his grandkids come and they run and they jump on him in his chair and they're trying to get his attention because they, they want him to, to wrestle with, with them. And My dad, it's the same way. When we're over at his house, the grandkids will come around wherever he's sitting and they will sit with him and talk with him and try to get his attention. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place where they find mercy. It's a place where they find the kindness of a father, of a grandfather. It's an incredible place. And God is inviting you into that place. Because here's the thing. You cannot get your act together if you cannot sit with him. You cannot get things in order in your life if you cannot sit with him. You cannot get what he has for you if you cannot be close to him. So he says, come boldly into my throne and get the grace and the mercy that you need in your time of trouble. See, how you see God is informing you as to how you should approach God. So you have to see God correctly. You are his children. He is your father. There is nothing that can keep him from you. There is no barrier that is up that can keep you from him. Jesus, because he died and rose from the dead, the tomb has been opened up. The stone has been rolled away and access has been granted. You are welcome at his seat. You are welcome to sit with him and to ask him and to get from him what you you need. You should approach him. Listen to me with the same confidence that Jesus would approach him with. You should approach him with that same confidence. Because here's the thing, you know, I used to have this picture in my mind of Jesus when he's interceding for us, like he's standing between us and God and he's like holding off God. God's like, let me at him, let me at him. And Jesus is like, no, 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 give him another chance. That's the wrong view of God. And it it dictated how I approached God. But when I changed my view, I started to come boldly because I realized Jesus isn't asking God for another chance for me. Jesus is asking God for justice. What does that mean? Jesus is pleading with God to give me what he deserves. I've never wondered, does God love Jesus? Does God want to bless Jesus? Is God for Jesus? I've never wondered that. And so I don't ever have to wonder if God is for me. Does God want to bless me? Is God on my side? I don't have to worry about that because I am in Christ. Listen, Jesus removed all the barriers. Everything that was Everything that was done on the cross was to remove the barriers, the things that separated you and I from God. Listen, when Jesus' body opened up, it didn't just open up so that blood could spill out. It opened up so that you and I could get in. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, by the new and living way, he has opened for us the curtain that is through his flesh. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I don't just say yes to Christ. I come into Christ. And when God sees me, he sees me in Christ. He didn't just open up so the blood could spill out. He opened up so that you and I could get in. Listen, you don't have to come and pray through me to get your prayers answered. You don't even have to be in this room. And I I can't wait till we're back in this room because something happens in this room that's very special. But I want to tell you, you don't have to be in this room today to get a prayer through. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 say, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's saying, whoever, whenever, wherever you are, come to me. I have opened The way to you. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Don't let that flaming sword that was keeping Adam and Eve out of the garden and that sword that turned into a veil in Exodus, don't let that keep you from God when that veil has been torn completely in two. Don't let it keep you from access to God. In the Old Testament, Moses asked God, he said, I want to see your glory. And God said, you know, nobody can see my glory and live. And so he hid Moses behind a rock and he passed by. And Moses was able to see Jesus as he passed by. He couldn't look at him in his face because he would would die. He couldn't look at his full, the full expression of his glory because He wouldn't survive. But the Bible says about Jesus that he is the full expression. He's the full radiance of God's glory. That in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that God is, is found in Jesus. And Jesus, because he cried out, it is finished. The veil was torn and access to God has been granted. Man, this veil was, at least from most historians' account, four inches thick. It was said that you could put a horse on each end of it and tie the horse to each end of it and the horses run in opposite directions and it would not tear the veil. But God was able to tear it in a moment from the top to the bottom, signifying that no man did this, no, no normal man gave you this access, but God's Son Himself has opened this up for you. And not only did the veil tear in two, but the Bible says that the earth shook and rocks split and the tombs broke open. And watch this, the bodies in Matthew chapter 27, bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. And that shaking has continued for 2,000 years and Jesus is still breaking open graves. He is still bringing dead people to life and he wants to bring you to life today as well. So come to God. Access has been granted. Come to God and when you come to God, expect a smile. When you come to God, expect joy. He said, in my presence is fullness of joy and at my right hand are pleasures forever more come expecting grace come expecting mercy you know that day when everything was shaken and Jesus cried out it is finished and the earth started to shake and the rocks started to split it also gives me confidence in this that I can give God what I don't need 
I don't have to hang on to the things that I don't need. See, because when God shakes the earth or God allows the earth to be shaken, like the time we are in right now, when, it, when this happens, this happens to reveal everything that is fragile and temporal so that we can really see what is eternal. And right now, God is trying to show you in the middle of this what really matters. What truly matters. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Everything that's fragile and temporal is falling apart right now. But everything that is eternal is holding steady. God is still God. God is still on his throne. And here's even the thing about your joy. Here's the thing about your peace. Is that when the world shakes, it doesn't have to shake your joy. Why? Because the world didn't give it to you. So the world cannot take it away. If you would put your joy in a place that isn't fragile and temporary, then when all of that fragile and temporary stuff is shaken, your joy wouldn't be shaken because your joy is secure because you put your joy in Him and not in this world. So I want to encourage you today. Whether you have never given your life to Jesus before or you're sitting there today and say, man, I felt at a distance from God. And this has even made me feel at more of a distance because I used to feel so close because of the fellowship I could have in the sanctuary. I want you to know today, you don't need a man to mediate between you and God. You have a Savior who did that for you. His name is Jesus. And you can go to God directly. You can go to Him directly. Maybe you need to be saved today. Maybe you need to come back to God. And if you do, I want you to pray this prayer with me today. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head at home. And maybe we could all say this prayer together. Let's say this. Dear Jesus... Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you gave your life for me. I give you my life today. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins and I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to ask you to let us know that God did something in your life. If God is encouraging you in this sermon and you're a believer and follower of Jesus, let us know what God is doing in your life. Let us know what God is speaking to you. Go ahead and type it in. Send us a message. Send us an email. Give us a call. We'd love to hear what God is doing. You know, I know there's a lot of tragic uh, events happening right now, but there are also some really Incredible things happening right now. I know there are people that are suffering right now and dying right now. But there are also people who are being healed right now and being set free. And people are recovering. And we are starting to see more people recover than die. This is good news. Had a leader in our church yesterday call me and say, Pastor Rob, I think it's time we start to let people know the good news of what God is doing, that people are recovering. I saw a 102-year-old war veteran recover from COVID-19. It was supposed to be a death sentence for someone his age and his condition, but he recovered. So many are recovering. So I know there is bad news, but there is also good news. And I want to encourage you to focus in 
on the good. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, the Bible says, think about such things. So if you made a decision today or you or God is doing something in your life and you want to share that or you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know. I also want to say thank you to those who have been able uh, and continued to give. I know for some of you, you've lost your income, so it's impossible for you to give right now because you aren't getting any income. And so I, I totally understand. But some of you, you're really blessed right now. And something you could do is you could do a little more to make up for those who can't do right now. I'm encouraging everybody, no matter what you have, to plant some sort of seed in this season to, to, do, to serve in some way in this time. Because I believe that right now we are creating the world that we are going to live in once this is all over. And once we get to the end of this, we're going to be reaping a harvest on what we sowed, how we served, how we loved during this season. And so I want to thank you for your giving. I want to ask you if you can to continue to give. We're blessed. God is good. No danger of anything being turned off. I just want to continue to offer you the opportunity to put seed into the ground so that you can see a harvest in your life. I love you so much. And I'm so thankful that you joined us on Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. I love you. I'll see you very soon. God bless you.